And good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. It is Harrison Smith back with a cool version of cinema. This is the first episode that I am happy to announce being sponsored and hosted and brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Uh, Welcome aboard and thank you so much for your support of this podcast. And I've got some really exciting things coming up. Uh, with Dark Matter as their ambassador for content. So any aspiring filmmakers out there with a completed film or short, uh, I want to hear from you. So I'll be talking about that real soon. So again, cinema brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Dark Matter TV is a fantastic streaming platform. It is an app you can download and get to see some really cool films that that normally you just don't see and and you have to kind of dig on YouTube for them for really lousy quality. Well, they're they're in really nice format on this platform and some great oldies. Like one of the things that attracted uh, me to this was the fact that it was like looking at late night cable back when I was a teenager. Some of the choices and menu selections and some great new stuff as well too. And they're expanding, they're growing, and that's going to be part of my mission as ambassador is expanding content, both independent and feature film, commercial feature film. So get a chance, get out there, look at darkmattertv.com. It can be downloaded for both uh, Apple and Android. We are now up to episode 33, and uh, technically this is going to kick off Women in Horror Month starting in February, and I'm really pleased to announce my my guest here for this interview, and that is Heather Markham, also known as Mama Creepy, and uh, she has had a long and illustrious career in in the genre, and we have been going back and forth. She's always been a a great supporter of mine, had me on on her broadcasts, and and most of all, a, a wonderful reviewer for a lot of my work and a big champion and supporter and and I can't thank her enough for all of that. Uh, Mama Creepy is an actress, a horror hostess, and an associate producer of a new documentary coming out and this is going to be great. It's called Oh the Horror. So you've got to see this and she'll be telling us about it as well too and and a screenplay uh, that she has been working on with her late best friends. So this, this is just some great stuff and some wonderful insight uh, to the concept of women in horror and the rediscovery of women that seems to take place periodically. Uh, people in the industry seem to praise women, then forget, and come back to realizing that, wow, women actually do something in this industry and genre. So without further ado, I give you my interview with Heather Markham, also known as Mama Creepy. Take it away. Hi. Well, thank you. First, thank you for having me on. Well, I'm Mama Creepy. Um, mm-hmm. I've been uh, podcasting, horror hosting, um, acting, writing for a long time now. I started out in special effects, but I've yep. been in the horror industry for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not say too long, right? <laughs> yeah, not too long. I don't want to age myself. Right, Exactly. <laughs> I've been hiding in the uh, independent horror genre (laughs) for a long time. (laughs) You know, first of all, it's always exciting to have uh, a female horror fan and most of all, someone in the industry uh, to talk to. As 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 you know, you've you've listened to my broadcast, my episodes, and it's Mm -hmm. it's not about film reviews, but looking at where the industry has been and and where it's going. And um, although you know, it it seems most people will agree that. There's never really been a better time for horror. 
as as a woman in the industry with with all the aspects that you've touched upon like you're you're not just one thing so you you have your hands in many things what is your opinion of the state of horror right now and and where it's going and is there anything cynical going on in this industry you know i think right now is a a really good time for women in cinema um uh, i also really like what you've done with your podcast and uh, taking it from your blog and and turning it into um a podcast but uh like my last podcast that i had i really focused on women in the genre because i really thought that was important um showing the the things that women, the accomplishments and the things that women were adding to the genre, um, whether it's directing or acting or writing, um, you know, doing stunts, whatever, um, because it's something that isn't shown so much any, you know, it hasn't been shown so much, but now, um, I think that's really coming more to light. And it's funny because next month is women in horror month, but I think that, um, more and more women are going to be recognized or starting to be more recognized. And I'm glad that that that's changing because it's a change that has needed to be done more and more often. So um, I'm really glad that that is finally women are stepping out and being shown in the light that they deserve. And and one thing that that I'd like to add to that is, and it's kind of a little bit of a shame on the entire film industry, and that is it seems that Hollywood seems to have every so many years an epiphany uh, about women, whether it's in horror or action or or drama. Uh, Suddenly Hollywood goes, oh my God, like, people will pay money to go see women in films in different roles, action films or directing or, or whatever. And, and for me, I just, it, as a male, I sit back and go, why does it always take a, a car to fall on somebody's head to realize this? It, you, you would think that after the first epiphany, this would just keep running, but it seems like it runs, then it dies off a little bit. And then, you know, a, a woman does something breakthrough, at least what Hollywood perceives as breakthrough when actually they've been doing it all the time. Um, but Hollywood seems to have just recently discovered it. And then they go, oh, all hail, you know, this woman or or these kind of women. And it's like you, you folks realize that women have been around a while, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, the perfect thing to look at was the last Halloween movie that came out with Jamie Lee Curtis and everybody was like oh my god Jamie Lee Curtis she's a women a strong female uh lead at her age <laughs> and so amazing and I'm like are you freaking kidding me right do you know how many people are doing this and or other women are doing this at the same age and are strong female leads. I, I said that in, in a previous podcast. I said Ashley Lawrence and Heather Leggenkamp are all yeah. sitting there going, what the fuck? You know, as far as like the, the big, you know, studios go, yeah, they absolutely are going to go with who can we get their, you know, the big names. Let's get the big names out there. And for some women it's harder and I see and you know right now actually like as as a prime example um Deborah Lamb she's a good friend of mine and all of a sudden now like I've seen 
her just starting to be shown more, more wars, more roles, things like that. Other um, women that I know, you know, just being picked up and shown more and, you know, they're not 20 year olds, you know, with right. the, the little, you know, I'm not saying that they don't have smoke and bods because they do have smoke and bods, but, you know, the ditzy 20 year old, you know, that you see in a lot of these movies and it's just, it's awesome to see them too. So it's just like, you can get a strong female lead. You can yeah. get an amazing director and writer and producer, you know, and they don't have to fit into your cookie cutter, what the major studios are looking for, you well, know. Well, speaking and I of think which, right there, let me cut you off a second to hear what uh -huh. your your thought is on this. You, you just nailed what I was recently talking about, I think in two episodes ago about the new Halloween film. And so as mm -hmm. a woman, I would like your opinion on this. Why is it that whenever, like, let's use Jamie Lee Curtis as the example, okay? Yes, she did a great performance. There is no doubt. And there were so many moments with her in that film that I wanted to see more of, especially I, I cited the scene where she's just sitting in her car waiting for Michael to be transferred and the, the anguish and the torture that is running through her. I mean, this, this man has haunted her and destroyed her whole life. And it was such a powerful moment that really, in my opinion, there, there are very few other scenes in the film that rival that that come even close. But my mm -hmm. question to you is, why is it that it seems like whenever we have to show a strong woman, okay, or when she makes that transformation, they all have to turn into Sarah Connor. And, and that's my question. Like, why do they, <laughs> right? They, they right. all have to suddenly turn into these gigantic, you know, uh, automatic weapon toting bitches. And, mm -hmm. you know, they got to, you know, get buff or they, they've got like, you know, they turn Jamie Lee kind of into like a swamp woman. They've got to turn into these, these brutish kind of almost masculine figures. When I proposed in, in my previous podcast, had I written it, I would have made it that she went on like Lori used her brains. That's what saved her in yeah, the original Halloween. And that she went on to become some really well-known, very powerful executive woman that lives a life in a skyscraper. And, and you think, you know, she's, she's traveling all over the globe. And that's all been a mask. She's been yeah. waiting all this time. And then suddenly that mask comes off and she's been ready for Michael all these years. Why does it have to be that, you know, I know Sigourney Weaver set a template and, and all of that mm -hmm. stuff, but. Why do they always have to turn into these, Sarah, like I said, Sarah Connors? Well, God forbid she would have gone to therapy, you know? Right. She could have a strong woman that still went through therapy, you know, still had this in her mind that, yes, he's in there, you know, but as soon as she knew that he, he was being released, you know, had that instinct kick in, you know, yeah. that, you know, that urge that he was coming out and that she might be going through this again and that intensity be coming out you know not that I have to be a doomsday prepper you lived your whole life in antis anticipation of Michael coming back for you and quite frankly I didn't really feel that the casting move. worked it Christian, you know, move right move like go somewhere go to Europe you know like right? I, or, or at least go to a mountain redoubt somewhere in Colorado. 
where you can wait for this fucker to come up the hill after you like you have the high ground like that whenever we have a strong woman especially in that transformation process she always has to morph into some version of either sigourney weaver or sarah connor that's what she has to turn into and and i just you know as a woman and i'm speaking to someone in the industry because i want to lead into uh what you had told me about um, uh, a screenplay, you know, two women working on a screenplay. What the, their point of view is very different because you guys, you come from the the viewpoint. Women have always been the victims, so now there's a yeah. chance for women to turn these tables around. A lot of the male executives that are in charge of all this, they go, "Well, we, all right, she's strong, but we're going to make her a man." Well, that's why the final girl, you know, the rules. You know, the final girl's a virgin, mm-hmm. you know, she's got to be kept pure. And that transformation of her becoming a woman is, you know, her killing off, you know, the antagonist. That's right. her becoming a woman, blossoming, you know. So without without losing her pureness, she's right. still pure, you know. So... You see that, and it's like, yay, final girl. I love that. But it's still, you're doing the same thing. You're still doing the Sarah Connor thing. Uh, Let's shift gears for a moment. Tell us, you know, okay, women in horror, women are out there creating. Tell us about your screenplay. I've been working on it for a while. Uh, My best friend, uh, Julie Whalen, she and I had been working on it uh, for a while. Uh, She had actually inspired me. It's uh, kind of a... Not a true story, but inspired by a mm-hmm. tr- real person. Um, Julie, um, she actually, uh, she passed away in August. And uh, it's been really hard to go on working on this without her there. But um, sure. she's always been my my cheerleader. So, and she was, yeah, definitely the biggest horror fan that I know. She loved Death House, by the way. Loved, <laughs> absolutely loved it when you were on my show she was really happy so she um we were working on it together and you know bouncing ideas off each other and i think women um can come from a different point of view than men and i'm not saying that it's a good thing or a bad thing but women um come from more of a maternal and just a different point of view to when they're writing the number one thing i want to say i guess i'm going to say from the viewpoint of a male and that is Mm -hmm. don't apologize for having a different point of view or that women might have a different point of view we've become now this society like where the mob mentality sets in where we you know oh there's non-binary and there's gender fluid and there's look women do have a different point of view they are the mothers they do give birth It, it drives me nuts when i hear a man go we're pregnant no fucker, you are not. She's pregnant. <laughs> I went through that in another previous episode about the pronouns of fandom. When people go at a sports event, when when a football team wins, we did it. No, they did it. You watched <laughs> the game. You did mm-hmm. nothing. You bought the ticket. They played the game. You you're writing this screenplay, and and so you have a particular. If there is a female point of view, that is fantastic because. No matter what anybody wants to say, there are differing point of views, and it's okay. Absolutely, and I get into it all the time on social media. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I try not to take really, the bait too much. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, no, absolutely. And like with the script that I'm writing right, right now, like the main character is a male principal who is 
just getting shit on by everybody going at it thinking like that you know the emotions he's going through the feelings he's going through and I don't I'm not saying that I can do it better because I'm a woman but I have my own personal way that I'm looking at it and I'm going towards it um in this horror movie um and also dealing with teenagers I'm you know, a mother of three daughters, you know, so I can definitely look at it as my experiences with three teenage daughters and be like, okay, I know how teenage kids are, you know, I know how cruel teenagers can be. So taking that experience, um, you know, if you're a, a single guy who's never had kids, your experiences are going to be a little bit different than mine and, and that's okay really okay we're just totally coming from it two different places that's just the way it's going to be and different is good you talk to the big studios they're not they just want to crank out shit and they want to crank out the same thing they want to rehab and rehash all the old movies keep kicking out the same thing over and over and over they think they have the same cookie cutter box of movies like okay this is worked let's just kick out the same crap again sorry this it just drives me nuts that they do this but they're like okay this formula worked let's just keep doing it i haven't had tv in a really long time and uh, well, when i move really not like, missing a whole hell of a lot <laughs> no i'm not and i'm just the place i live living now my roommates had like h they have hbo and all this stuff and i started watching some of this stuff like that's on tv and watching it they have all these horror movies and they're all the same like the young kids like that are in their 20s or whatever and it's all the exact same movie it was like hell fest hell whatever and it's like all of a sudden i'm like okay these are all kids that are at an amusement park or something and they've got some killer on the loose that's trying to kill them or they're being tortured at an amusement park and they were all the same movie and they were like back to back to back this is utter shit i'm like i could just see them all sitting in a room together being like okay now just sitting across from each other like writing the scripts you just saw that i posted recently about warner brothers you know uh, ai is going to be picking the scripts and and all that stuff oh, it's it. like they're just looking for that algorithm and and mm -hmm. and you know then of course there's also the fan service and and i've talked about that a number of times with cinema that there mm -hmm. there's a fine line between pleasing your fans and pandering to them and yeah. um and that's become a problem you know, this has oh, become yeah. a major problem. Look at Star Wars. You can't please them if you move away from the material and give something new. Yep. And you can't please them if you, you, you basically kiss their ass. You can't win either yeah. way. We're 20 years in Afghanistan. Nobody gives a shit. But boy, don't go talking Star Wars and upset someone. <laughs> boy, then watch you light up the social media. There's a lot more important things going on in the United States, <laughs> you know, in the world, in this country than freaking baby Yoda like right. I refuse to have like watch or do anything with Disney I'm very anti-Disney 
And so when I started seeing all this baby Yoda stuff, I'm like, okay, that's cute. But what the hell is baby Yoda? When I said that, people like flipped. Out. Oh, yeah. How, how do you not know about baby Yoda? Have you been living in a cave? Like all this <laughs> stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't know what baby Yoda is. And honestly, could I give a shit? It's hard not to become cynical with all of this. Like, what are your plans with this screenplay? Where, where do you hope it ends up? Obviously made. I, I'd like to get at least limited um, theater. You know, I, I'm not expecting this movie to be a blockbuster. It'd be awesome. Hey, that would be great. Sure. You know, but that's not what I'm doing it for. I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, I want to get out there. It's my my art. That's, I want to get it out there. Um, I want people to see it and love it and enjoy it. It's going to be a comedy horror is really going to tug at you and try to make you, um, you'll have questions about your morals. (laughs) put it that way (laughs) well it's you know god forbid you you do something to make people think you don't want to do that i would like to make probably the money back (laughs) sure (laughs) it's always good (laughs) (laughs) you know i just want to make a movie that people enjoy you know i I want to get out there and uh have a movie that people enjoy you know that's that's the most important thing with it is uh I want people to see it. It would have meant a lot to Julie. It's kind of like with Death House, you know, um, that movie was really anybody who knew anything really about it. How it was written story about how it came to be. You know, it was an emotional movie. Going back to, you know, like your, what you were talking about with your script and you're you're looking to do something a little fresh, a little original, make people think. And the problem is you walk that fine line as well, too, because, you know, and, and I don't want to turn this into a Death House uh, a soliloquy here. It's just simply with with Death no, I- House, there was a a definite expectation of of, you know, when they I did not like that expendables of horror thing. I did not like it because mm-hmm. it created something false in people's minds. And, and they started thinking this was going to be Tony Todd as Candyman, Kane Hodder as Jason yeah. Voorhees. And it was going to be this monster mashup. And, and quite frankly, I, I finally was so blunt in an interview when somebody said, well, why don't you like that? I said, because it's fucking stupid. Yeah, people were being pissy because Robert England wasn't in it and because Bruce Campbell wasn't in it. It's like, well, Ash isn't going to be in it. And it's right. like Freddie Krueger isn't in it because I know Robert England had scheduling problems. People are going to always bitch about something, sure. you know. No matter what, horror fans are fickle. They want to expect a certain something, and if they don't get it, they they're all online. <laughs> the number one thing people like to seem to bitch about online are remakes and reboots, and yet they go right out to see them. So, what yeah. are you seeing, and what is your thought on that? I really don't go and see them. I'm I'm fickle with the movies that, that I see. Sure. Um, I want to see originality. You know, I don't want to see um, another horror movie that's been rehashed, you know, um, because honestly, it pisses me off. We've talked before about you doing another um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. I would watch that because I know how you write. I know how you direct. And 
I could see you doing a good job. See, when I see the ones coming out, like the big blockbuster one, like New Nightmare, that one, that was a piece of shit. Um, Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween movies. Crap. His last movie that came out, uh, Three from Hell. Sorry, that was crap. That was lazy writing. Devil's Rejects had a perfect ending. It was just beautiful. The way it was done, the music, everything, it was well done. But then brought back to, I don't know why the hell, if, you know, he felt that his fan base was waning or what the hell the deal was, or they just showed him enough money. God, it was just lazy as shit. And um, Sid Haig was in it for, you know, a couple minutes, honestly, in the beginning of it, just rode on Sid Haig's death that, you know, this was Sid's last movie. And it wasn't his damn last movie. That whole movie just irritated the shit out of me. Cinema is, is not just looking at the cynicism, but when somebody has the ability to make something great, and they just choose not to. See, cinema yeah. isn't like humanoids from the deep where you have Roger Corman and they're making these low-budget schlocky or Galaxy of Terror. Galaxy of Terror is not cinema. It is not C-Y-N-E-M-A because they set out to do an alien ripoff. It's a lot of fun. It's goofy. They, they definitely took advantage of their low budget. What we're talking about is when somebody has $50 million or $20 million and they just go, fuck it. We're just going to do this. And, and that's what it's going to be. So there you go. Once they're released online, then I'll watch them. But I'm not going to go pay that to the, um, you know, to the movie theater. I don't want to go to the movie theater and have a crap experience. I've always talked about how I am a practical effects girl. Um, practical effects with some CGI, fine. You can make them blend really well. You don't have to just have strictly one or the other if you're going to do strictly one, just go with practical effects. I saw Dr. Sleep recently, and I really liked it. I love it. Dr. Sleep. I love. Yeah, it. I thought it was great. It explains so much, so Thank much you. more. It, um, it really, sorry, Kubrick, but it did such a great job. They you don't have to apologize because you know how yeah. I feel about The Shining. Yeah, um, I know. And it made me appreciate The Shining a little bit more because just as you said, it filled in so much that needed filling in and gave exactly. it some heart and soul because the original is so damn cold. We, we understand Danny better now. We understand the relationship with the Overlook. And, it, it, and it's not that they dumbed anything down or had to spoon feed me. They, yeah, they yep. gave us some things that we need. I did a podcast on it. And in fact, uh, Mike Flanagan the director of it, uh, listened to the episode and subscribed to cinema. Kubrick, yeah. in my opinion, always was, all right, I'm going to make The Shining, but fuck all of you. I'm not going to make The Shining. I'm going to make what I yeah. want. And all so of you who read the book, so deal with it. Pretentious. Yeah, so it is. Pretentious. It's, a, it's a very so pretentious. arrogant, pretentious movie. Mm -hmm. It really is. Dr. Sleep turned it all around. And, and I went oh, back and actually came home. And over the weekend, I watched the Shining again. And, and even though I don't really love The Shining any more than I did, I felt a better appreciation because the one thing I will always give Kubrick props for in that film is the number one thing he made very palpable was the evil in that hotel. He did do yeah. that right. 
And the, the overlook is like, has more personality and more character and more shading in that than, than any of the characters. And look, the only one that we really identified was Scatman Crothers and they didn't give him anything to do. Yeah. They, uh, they just did. Oh God, it was so well done, you know, and there's just been so many Stephen King movies that have been made. Like they did uh, Gerald's game, which yeah. I read Gerald's Game years ago when it came out. There is no way that I could have imagined them making that movie. And when I watched it, I was blown away. Is there anything you would like to to plug uh, toward the end here? Uh, Where where can people find you? What What can they do to experience you more online? You can find me on Facebook. Book, um, Mama Creepy. Most people end up finding me through my personal uh, Facebook, which is just Heather Markham. Um, and then they are, end up over at Mama Creepy. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm all, all over the place. I do have a documentary that is yes. coming out. That's um oh the horror um it's actually directed by uh tony newton and it's it's really awesome um 25 people are interviewed throughout it and it's all about um we were all asked the same questions um and then each of us answered them throughout like different people answered um tony's awesome he's like a super huge horror fan um he's british based he's a writer filmmaker he's screenwriter like um he did uh grindsploitation and um like virus of the living dead oh wow Um, but we have like yeah, like we have uh, Justin Beam from uh, he's a writer yep, of Fangoria. I know Justin. Yep, I know yep. Justin well. Yeah, we've got Scarlett Fry, who's she's an actress and a director. She did like Horror Cam and Scream Machine, and uh, Billy Pond, who did uh, he directed Circus of the Dead and Cowboys from Hell, and then mm-hmm. I'm in it. <laughs> and I just want this to be clear. Um, in it um it says that i am a trauma horror hostess and that is not true they weren't able to go in and and change that i'm like no i'll be making an appearance at um the next flashback um or flashback convention this year with tim shockey who owns the green goblin from maximum overdrive but um so the movie's going to be coming out uh this year and okay. it's awesome i'm so excited about it you know people are asked about you know their favorite 80s movies you know from the 2000 up from you know the 1920s and earlier one of my favorite ones that was discussed in it was um do you think that snuff movies exist and are real but like I said, that's going to be coming out this year, and um, I'm not exactly sure when Sure, yet, but when it does, you, but... you let me know, and then we'll do a nice plug for that to, to let people know where they can find it. Next month is Women in Horror Month. Yep. So everybody remember, celebrate Women in Horror. All my films feature very strong female characters. So You do. Yeah. You absolutely do. Well, Heather, thank oh. you so much for being on Cinema. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Take care.
Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review. And if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison.